Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and we're up and at it a little bit early this morning. Uh, we got an early start on our episode, so you get to see it early. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to be talking about the history and future of Angular, kind of dive into the past and see what might be coming up and get a, a fresh take on that. Joining us as panelists today, we have Austin McDaniel. Austin, what's going on? How's it going, everyone? Sorry, I don't have my panda head. I've been traveling, so I forgot it. <laughs> that thing doesn't go with you? I would think that well, that'd be like the first thing you pack. You kind of have to prioritize space in your luggage, and the panda head just isn't at the top of that list. <laughs> you need like a paper panda mask that can be temporary for when you're on the road or something. It's easy, flat, easy to pack. There we go. Oh. All right, we got uh, Mike Brocky with us as well. Mike, what's going on? Not too much. You guys just tell me it's early, but it's 11 o'clock here. I'm all set, ready to roll. I guess it's really only early for two of us. And it's not really that early, I mean, you know, but yeah. And our guest today, uh, Brad Green. Brad, how's it going? Uh, it's, it's not that early. I agree. It's okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, try to make it a little dramatic, but you know, yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> all right, Brad, uh, why don't you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself for viewers that might not be familiar with who you are? Yeah, give us a little story about uh, what do you do and how long have you been doing it? Yeah, sure. So, I'm an engineering director at Google. Um, I manage a bunch of engine teams. One of them is the Angular team, and Angular is the team that I've had with me for the longest. So we started this in kind of late 2009, and, and here we are today. Maybe a little surprised we're still a team together. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time, especially in the uh, front end space, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Cool. cool. All right, so uh, before we start talking about this whole Angular story and everything that's going on, I, I do have a question for you. So way back in the very first episode of Angular Air, I think it was number zero. We started with zero index. Uh, you guys were on, and you were on, and you had this sweet mustache. Like, is that thing ever going to come back? Uh, um, maybe. Uh, my daughter, who's five, asked me that. She's like, Daddy, do you ever grow, um, I don't, she didn't say mustache, but something like that. Uh, and I was like, well, that was for this November thing, and, uh, you know, I looked like someone who might abduct other children with a panel van. And, um, you know, because I, I just, if you're going to go in November, like, why not be dramatic? And so I had the, you know, the full 1970s handlebar thing going on. I got to say, it was, it was pretty sweet. But, I mean, that's exactly right, right? Your, your kids and your family, like, they kind of drive those decisions at that point when you, have, when you have that. Like, should I have it or not? You know, I got the little beard coming back because my girls kind of wanted it. And it's like, okay, whatever you guys want, let's do it. <laughs> totally, totally. I'm not my own uh, keeper anymore. So, yeah, maybe this November. If it's, uh, we'll see after this episode what people think. Uh, we get a lot of votes. Sure. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to start a Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. On your Twitter feed, you used to say that you had chickens. Do you still have chickens? I, I think I've, it still says that. Yeah, I have chickens. They're not the same chickens, all of them, but uh, they're still there. And yeah, and you live in San Francisco area. How does no, how does that work? No, out? Mountain View, but so you could have chickens in San Francisco. They're they're easier than cats. Come on. 
<laughs> they might stink a little bit more. Throw down kibble. I, I do you have a cat box? <laughs> yeah. I don't. I have a dog. Chickens live outside. It's a good deal. All right. So nice. here's the question: turnover, more turnover with the chickens, or more turnover with the angular team? Chickens, I'm afraid. We've had a skunks problem recently, uh, and and it's been hard on my on my flock. <laughs> Skunks don't bother the team as much, but they are disturbed by skunks. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't uh, suggest trying that one though, just to get a feeler or not. <laughs> We've had, you know, we have had some turnover. Like some of my favorite people have been have come and gone through the Angular team. Um, it's it's a long lived team, and the fact that it's still uh, Mishko, Igor, and myself uh, running the thing is. It's surprising. It's it's good. We we still have a good time together. All right. Well, that, that's a good point to uh, start going back in time a bit, a little right. Let's go back to the very very beginning, because um, I don't know how many people actually kind of know the story of why did Angular come about? Like, what was it for, and, and what was the purpose? When was it created, and that sort of thing? Can you kind kind of tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, so no, nobody here at Google ever said we're gonna build a web framework to help everybody. And these are things we came to over time a little bit. So Mishko had some ideas where he wanted to do something else. He wanted uh, he wanted to really help non-technical people put websites together. Um, and he had, he had an angle on it where you were kind of doing pseudo programming if you knew HTML. And you know, it turned out that that route just kind of had a lot of headroom issues. And But you know what he built was was kind of good, and we we actually found he was on a different project that I was running, and we were pretty frustrated with our, our development speed, and and he kind of made this boast, hey, I will rewrite this horrible thing we've been spending six months on in two weeks. Just give me two weeks to do it, and it kind of took him three weeks, and so you know I could have fired him at that point, but uh, no, that doesn't happen that way. Um, <laughs> He uh, it was it was pretty impressive how far he was able to get with this sort of nascent Angular JS uh, bit that he put together, uh, and so you know being able to have these declarative templates and we had you know code attached and it was just seemed like a nice way to work and and so uh, you know little by little we we found a way to grow that team. Um, Igor Minar was was the buyer and you know Mishko been a really good pair for each other. Like Igor, really solid engineering underpinnings and like really good eye for the community. And Mishko with, you know, is but you know game changers for sure. Um, they keep each other honest. Now, yeah. when you were, oh sorry, when you were first developing that, like you were developing it for internal. At at what point was it like? You know, did you decide? Did you like decide early on, or was it kind of like, how did you decide that you're gonna kind of make this open source and available to everyone? So it was. It all actually always started open source. Mishko, uh, I think he lost his reason why he like originally he was he was trying he was shooting for this open source audience. Realized that the original plan wasn't gonna work out, and he's like, okay, well maybe internal folks can use it, but it was open source at the time, and so we we're like, well, let's just keep developing it that way. It's you know, it's a different way to do things. There's, you know, pluses and minuses versus developing inside Google, um, and we've just always kept it. 
Yeah, one of the things uh, on the whole thing that you're talking about in terms of where it was born and what it was for, right? I, I like the concept of understanding what that is because you kind of see those those overall initial goals still in the platform today, right? When you talk about like the template syntax, right? And this concept that you're trying to apply um, JavaScript logic to markup so that people could get in there and, and add some logic and functionality in the markup that they're already used to, right? And that kind of resonates throughout the the whole history of Angular. That's why we had the, like the template syntax and kind of that's where it came from. And I think, think of it in terms of like, well, you have something like JSX or, or writing markup in JavaScript, like why why does Angular not take that approach, right? And I think mm -hmm. it's, it's, but it's neat that it, it doesn't because of the history of it. A little bit. I mean, uh, I think like they're both valid perspectives and, you know, there's, there's various frameworks that you know, follow, follow one or the other sort of camps. Um, like the, one of the things that I like about the template syntax in HTML is that um, I can have separate people work on them who might have different skill sets. Like it's a nice thing if I've got like as my if I have a big team where I've got specialists, uh, I've got UX folks who can certainly work on the templates, but I don't, might not understand the code. Uh, I've got folks in test roles. I've got um, maybe product managers who can maybe we can discuss the way things are laid out. Um, it just uh, also in a probably opinion based, but like you. You view you could view this as separation of concerns, where you know my rendering is taken care of by uh, by the templates and uh, the logic and functionality is done in the code. Um, so yeah, definitely some nice properties that we get from it. So this yeah, that's uh, been, go ahead. Go ahead. It's been uh, extrapolated out even more so with uh, Angular versus Angular JS. Is not only is the template separate, but the template does not necessarily need to be HTML. Uh, you could have uh, other renders uh, destined for other platforms as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that separation of renders was, I think, was really helpful for us um, you know, for making other syntaxes available. And we, we kind of do this, like, we kind of supported S, we, we do support SVG and AngularJS. Um, it was actually, like, because of the new architecture, it was much easier to support SVG or, or, new, or you know, new template syntaxes in the future. So this open source story that you guys started with from the very beginning, the team started with, um, what challenges have you had at going that route, like deciding, you know, as this thing plays out and builds and and you need to use this internally for teams and stuff like that, did you run anything going, oh, man, we back ourselves into a corner, or maybe this is a little harder to do it this way, or has it always been not a problem to say, look, we're keeping this open source, it's, it's just moving forward and everything just fits? Um. No, it's actually uh, it's actually it's probably easy to be all open source or all internal, but having both is is actually really hard. And I think if this wasn't such a passion project for a lot of the folks that work on it, you know, folks wouldn't survive it. Um, we've <laughs> kind of at at Google, we're we're on the bleeding edge of the way folks do this internal external. Certainly, um, you know, the biggest project that does this, I think. Uh, where we, uh, we've actually built a lot of internal toolings, but we're starting to see more and more projects do it this way. Um, the TensorFlow project um, does, does the, you know, the externalization of their, their code. And so we're, we're starting to get some help from other teams that build you know, systems to help us bring in the, the tr truth from GitHub and then rebuild it in Google and roll it out to all the, all the internal folks. Um, 
there's just the difference in the way we, that we do the build systems that's hard to match. And so, you know, one of the things that we're doing that will help us in the future is we, for the Angular project, we're building functionality so we can use the internal Google build system, which internally uh, is called Blaze, but externally is called Bazel, B-A-Z-E-L, which is, you know, anagram of Blaze. Um, and, and so it's our hope that we can actually mirror our build systems to make it a lot easier for us to, to work inside and outside. Um, and so for, you know, for one thing we need to do is when we're rolling out code to the rest of Google, we need to make sure that it, uh, that it works and we're actually responsible for upgrading everybody's code at Google. Um, and so we need to build the software internally and externally. It'd be nice if we could have the same tests run and for that we need the same build system to run. And so we're excited about the future. So is Basil going to be replacing Webpack? Well, not anytime soon, for sure. Um, so we, we also have some some other large enterprises that uh, that want um, Bazel for its capabilities and scale and reliability. Um, there's just a lot of things that Webpack does that we don't. You know, of course, we have analogs for them inside Google, but then we would have to open source all of those analogs. Um, but there are some there are some big teams that uh, are it seems very attractive to them, and we're we're helping some of them get going with Bazel. Um, we don't we don't have what I would call a, a viable solution where oh yes you should go pick up Bazel it's got great scale and you'll be happy um, maybe maybe someday um, but we'll probably we'll probably have some more demos in the fall so you can see the current state of everything. So on that open source topic, there is a lot of talk here around React and their licenses. What do you you know do, do you see? Angular, like having any type of that, like what? Are, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so I mean, our, our goal with Angular has always been to make it the least restrictive thing possible. Um, we, I mean, you you notice this from our you know MIT license to our um, Creative Commons logos, like go crazy, do what you want. I mean, and, and like bad things can happen, and you know we've had some times where people have been sort of doing things that were confusing to the community with our logo or with our name. And and generally, it's been fine. We've just kind of had a conversation with those folks. We said, oh, hey, maybe you didn't know, but this is what's going on. And it's been fine. Um, so if we can continue doing things that way, that's awesome. I think, like, in general, most people are reasonable, helpful, want to be a great community. That's awesome. And that's really exciting to hear, too, as a big Angular fan that you know you guys are continuing to embrace that um, our, 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 kudos to our legal department they've been really easy to work with and like what once we describe our goals they've you know they've been like okay that all makes sense and so um, yeah I'm gonna nitpick on one thing that you said or at least pick up on one thing you said you know you said that tensorflow externalizes their code um, whereas with the angular project you work externally and then bring it internal is that correct, or is that, or is TensorFlow working publicly and then pulling it internal? I actually don't know uh, how TensorFlow okay. works. I, I know that they've got a big external footprint, um, and I know they use some of the same tools that we use, but I don't exact, I don't know their exact workflow. Okay, I was just curious if that was going to be the continued focus of the Angular team to do things publicly and then internalize um, with that continued workflow. Yeah, that's that's the plan, and we're just gonna try and make more of our the way we do things externally look like the way we do things internally, so there's less friction bringing stuff in. 
So I think one of the license things like that's coming up and these concerns and stuff, a lot of it centers around um, enterprise, right? And, and these enterprise companies deciding, should I take on this code base and use it? What it, are we going to be in a tight spot or whatnot, right? And I think Angular has kind of really found a, a fit in that enterprise scenario. A lot of enterprise companies like the fact that it's there. So I kind of want to talk about, um, you know, it kind of originated as a framework. And now it's really become a platform. Like, how did it become a platform? And what was the decision to decide that, that, that was decision to decide <laughs> that to bring it all and to have all these working pieces as part of Angular platform rather than just like a JavaScript framework? I think you know we we kind of overreached in our first Angular JS release where we we, we did a lot more than, than we knew how we had. A router but wasn't all that good, and we had uh, um, REST uh, persistence, and it wasn't all that good. And and so we've we've always kind of had this ambition to be really inclusive of the entire development cycle. And again, that kind of goes back to why we use the declarative template syntax. Is like, well, when you think about it, it's more than just a single developer. There's a big team out here. Um, well, and then it's a slippery slope, right? Uh, okay. Well, now we've got we need a, a unit test runner and a end to end test facility and uh, accessibility and animation and uh, all of these great things. Um, and so, to the ability we've had to fund them, we've we've really tried to make developers' lives easier, and that's that's why people come to Angular to work on it. Um, and that's I think why the community's here is like we all want it to be a like an inclusive solution that like pretty much does what I need out of the box without me having to figure out, well, which pieces do I have to put together and configure? I think we're not perfect. Like, I think there's still a bunch we can do to make things better and easier and more integrated and, and aligned, but um, I'm pretty happy with where we ended up. That's, that's one thing, you know, when I talk to people and, and talk to them about Angular, you know, it, it's like all these different tools to, to build a, you know, a simple, you know, cute website, you don't need all those tools. But if you're building serious applications like you guys do at Google internally and many organizations do, you need all these tools together and working cohesively. And that, that platform that Angular provides is, I think, the biggest seller for me uh, in terms of just, you know, ramping people up, getting, you know, getting the team on the same page and getting all the tools to work together. So I, I think that's a huge, huge benefit. Yeah, I think, you know, on that point, um, we've, um, I think we could do a better job showing people how to use Angular in simpler situations also. Um, I think AngularJS had this really nice property where I could drop the script tag on a page and get going. And in, in Angular, it's like, well, it's not super obvious. Like, how do I achieve that? I just put a little bit on a page. Um, it's something I'd like us to, to sort of refocus on a little bit in the future. I think part of it's docs. Part of it's maybe some, some simpler ways to get going. Well, I mean, the types of development, you know, the, our, our flows of development have radically changed from 2009. Uh, you know, back then we had no, well, TypeScript actually did exist back then, but it wasn't highly adopted. Um, and, you know, we, we had these tools, but they weren't really mainstream. Um, I think 
around then like gulp was, or grunt was just barely getting started so a lot of these tools were not being used mainstream and you know our development life cycles today are drastically different and so I think that's going to be really challenging to kind of get that back down to that level, um, just given like compilers and packaging and all that type of stuff. But I, I'll be excited to see how it goes. Yeah, me too. I don't know. Have you seen uh, Stacklets? Is that the online editor? That's the online editor where. Like, oh yes, yeah. I I just drop in and I'm coding, uh, you know, both Angular and React, and there's nothing to do. Um, seems like a little bit of investment in, in tools like those. I think we can have a pretty nice, pretty nice time. Yeah, another nice thing about that is that you can add other libraries, and it does all the plumbing stuff for you. Right. So yeah, that's the magical thing to do that. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Cool. All right, Brad, I got a question for you. Another question. We got questions all day, right? Um, so a couple of years ago, uh, back at AngularU, uh, I got a chance to sit with you and, and a handful of other people, and we talked about um, this notion of how can we start championing the web again and making the web important again, right? Um, get away, not, not get away, but say, look, there's all this focus on installable apps, right? Especially in the mobile space and things like that. And how can we bring the web back as this top player? Um, I kind of want to get your take. I've been waiting for a while now and excited about this. Find out, like, what do you feel? Like, how do you feel we're at that? How, how we started to make progress on that? I and mean, we've got things like a lot of focus on PWAs and it seems like a lot of chatter and, and focus in just the industry as general about the web being important again. Um, do you feel good about that? And like, how are we coming on that? Uh, so, so it looks like I think Safari is going to be supporting service workers, um, like finally getting some code to support it, which, which was kind of the last thing that would allow, you know, if I'm looking at, can I deploy progressive web apps as a mobile strategy? Like that's, that was kind of the last, you know, the last thing that I need to be, you know, certain this, this is going to work out. Um, at the same time, I think my impression is that, uh, so yeah, yeah, we, we are investing heavily in progressive web apps and we have a version in Angular support doing progressive apps or web apps already. And we're working on, uh, making it even easier and more functional and making the development experience really, really, really tight. Um, but I haven't seen a lot of uptake. Uh, th there are some kind of, you know, early adopters who are taking the strategy, but my guess is that it's not on most folks' radar yet. If I'm running a development um, shop in enterprise or consumer, um, I think it, it hasn't hit me. Like, there's maybe a bit of a chicken and egg problem. Like, we don't see user behavior following this, uh, and, and therefore we don't see you know, development companies adopting. But I, I'd love to hear from everybody here, what, what are you seeing out there? I see, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of interest, like with the Twitter client, right, that came out, the, the web-based Twitter client, and a lot of people talking, hey, I've, I've uninstalled the Twitter app. I'm rolling with the, the web-based Twitter client and Instagram and stuff like that. So I, I think there's there's some movement on, on those sort of fronts. I think yeah. for a lot of organizations, the App Store is almost like a marketing uh, platform as well, you know, having it up at the top, like that that's a platform to get people to see your application where they might not, you know, browse through your, you know, website and, and see that. So I think that has some play. So my, my, uh, okay. So I don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but, um, 
my impression is that, uh, so the numbers I've seen is like most apps in the App Store or the Play Store don't get installed. Um, some, some crazy percentage uh, in the 90s, like never gets installed, not even once. Um, and so, but, but those folks who never get installed once still can get traction via uh, search. Um, if that the, where people might not know about your topic or your site or find your app, um, they might come across you in search uh, because, like through SEO and through like you know normal web search facilities, you can get people to come and find your PWA, and if they like it, they can install it. So, strategically, I think the way it may play out is that if you're in the top tier, uh, you're a big, well-known brand people will want to go find you in the App Store or the Play Store. And if you're not, like if you're the rest of the 90-something of us, um, maybe PWAs is really the right, the right answer. And even if you are in the top, the top percentile, um, people are going to surf and find you, so maybe you kind of need both. But even if it's not about mobile, the benefits that you get from writing your app the way that PWAs specify through that specification is going to be advantageous for desktop users as well. They're going to have a more performant application uh, for use, especially on a, de on a laptop, desktop, uh, tablet, uh, versus just on a phone. Absolutely. And so like we've been running our doc site this way, angular.io. You can see it in action. Um, and it has a great reload behavior for the desktop, and it makes, makes it super fast and smooth. Um, I think like there's some other Angular sites popping up that have uh, have this behavior as well, like shopsale.com, I think, does a service worker, um, and they, they get some good reload behavior out of that. So yeah, it's starting, starting to happen. And yeah, the desktop, there's, it's kind of like a no-lose situation. The, the hard thing a little bit is that as a developer, um, you don't expect the behavior you're getting, because it's like there's another layer of cache that, uh, that you're not quite aware of, like where we've seen people you know, continue to reload their app on a PWA thinking, why is it not refreshing? It's like, well, it's cached. They'll do, you know, go to the lengths of, I uninstalled my whole app, like redid NPM, uh, and yet still it persists. Uh, I'm going to reformat my hard drive. <clears throat> so anyway, that's, that's one of the things we've been investing in a developer's tool so that uh, you know, there's ways you can do cache busting on PWAs, and that you have ways in the development lifecycle to make sure the refresh happens with expected. You know, one of the things that I find as a developer and being in the web space that's interesting about all this stuff is like because it moves so fast, like you almost get lost in some of this stuff, and um, you you find yourself, for example, like the service worker one is is a great example, right? It's like, oh man, I need that, I got that but I don't fully kind of grasp what's going on yet because it's just moving so fast. Uh, but even things like we talk about Angular and it's like, okay, this feels great to be building my web stuff in Angular, right? But I'm building a single page application and, and now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm ready to build my content site. Let's go do it, right? I'm gonna use Angular. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, it's a single page app and some of the things I'm used to have been developing like a content site before, now I have to kind of rethink. You know, and, and uh, is it anybody else find that kind of hits? And, and now we're just, you're so going fast and forward that some of these you know, things get confusing. 
I, th I think so. Um, but I think with anything that, and to the idea of service worker being confusing, that as new technology comes out, what really makes that more approachable and more usable and more understandable is tooling assistance. And as the tooling gets better and you don't have to go three, four, 10 layers deep to figure out how to use something and it's just there at the surface and things are handled for you. I mean, not that you shouldn't understand what's going on, but as tooling gets better, I think that adoption will get better. Um, as for the idea of doing a content site with or without Angular, I think that's more dependent upon choosing the right tool for the right job. So maybe if you're just doing static content, maybe Angular doesn't make sense. But if you want to pull in things like animation and you want to do that uh, and you don't want to have to go out and learn a different animation uh, tool set using like CSS transitions uh, when you've already invested in learning Angular animations, then maybe that does make the most sense for you. Um, but yeah, I think that's the hard part, right? Because you get you get excited about some of the stuff. You get like this uh, scope styling components and this isolation of things and all this awesomeness that you get with Angular, right? And you're like, I just want to keep living in that. I really don't want to go back and build a PHP site or whatnot, right? So it's like I don't know the challenge, which, so which I think we, is a, is a good testament to what Angular is, right? Because it's built this excitement that people love to live in it. So I'm, I'm not an expert. I think it would be a great show for you folks to bring on some of the for building con, you know, content sites with Angular um, who picked it. And you know, like Forbes.com, um, ShopStyle I mentioned, Weather Underground. Like you, if you could get a group of these folks together, I think it would be a great show. That is a great idea. We need to make that happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll reach, uh, I'll connect with you, Brad. Maybe you've got some contacts that we can, uh, we can talk to. Yeah, I think we could we could find some folks. So, kind of a question I want to bring up: Angular two, that was a long road to Angular two. So the name Angular JS first Angular, how did that come about? Like, it, it still to this day it feels a little confusing. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I don't know what the right answer was. Uh, we may not still have had the right answer. Uh, it still feels like a little weird to folks. So um, obviously, we could have done a better job. I don't uh, like. We could have kept Angular JS and just increment the version number, but it was such a big jump. We wanted to kind of be honest with folks about, well, this is actually something very different. Uh, and so, how to express that, right? Um, and so maybe we got it kind of wrong, but and it is confusing. But at the same time, there is Angular JSON, Angular template syntax, and dependency injection, and um, services, and all of these things are very similar. Um, <clears throat> if you've used uh, our HTTP, like we have, like I think a way better version in in Angular now. But like all of the the main concepts are transferable. But at the same time, like my code is going to be different. <clears throat> um, like the template syntax is different. It's updated. It's it's cleaner, but it's different. You have to learn something new. What do you, uh, you know? That that was a long road, and, and it's such a huge jump. Do you see people, you know, moving to Angular and and getting excited about that, or do you, are are people happy with Angular JS? We see both, for sure. Um, 
<clears throat> there's, there, you know, we built Angular so that it could, you know, scale to bigger teams, have a clearer template syntax so that we could do static analysis and build tooling to help, like, do a lot of the refactoring and move from one version to another, just automate things, and then, um, you know, just help people at scale much better so that it could be higher performance and work with greater numbers of developers. Um, some folks don't need that. They're like, no, no, I, I have a small site and I love AngularJS or like I, I, we actually built an app and I've got a big team and we figured out ways to work around things in AngularJS and we're perfectly happy, uh, which, which is awesome. I mean, that's, that's a big testament that people are, are still happy with something that kind of architecturally we designed in 2009, 2010. Yeah, that's that's nuts. <clears throat> Something developed in two thousand nine is is still used and loved it is is just crazy. Um, you know that was such a big jump. Are are you guys, you know, planning to make any huge releases like that anytime in the future again? Or you know, can we, you know, is Angular you know the way that we see it today? going to just continue to incrementally improve like that? Or is, or is there big jumps planned ahead? Yeah, we don't have any big jumps planned. And I think like we really want to be able to you know, bring the community along. Like we like, you know, it's a tax and it is, uh, you know, we, we don't actually get everybody to come along. We actually, you know, we picked up some new folks who, you know, wouldn't have looked at AngularJS because it didn't scale the way they wanted or didn't have the syntax they liked. Um, but we, we do want everyone to come along. And so, yeah, it's, we're intentionally going to um, stick to incremental as much as we can. That's awesome. I, every release that I've upgraded, like, I, I don't think I've had, you know, but one or two issues. And I always say on Lightus, and they're, the issues are fixed within a day. So it, it's great testament for that developer experience to be able to stay on Lightus and not have you know, frequent breaking changes and, and have elegant uh, deprecation and things like that. Kind of back to that point on AngularJS and people still using it today and happy with it. What's the support plan for that look like? Are you guys going to continue to support it? And, you know, what's the plan there? Um, for, for the foreseeable future, like we, like, you know, what the thing we've said publicly is, until uh, the majority of folks are on Angular, we're going to keep supporting AngularJS. And <coughs> um, that's still the plan. So if you're, if you're on you know, AngularJS, um, we're going to continue to do releases, although there seems to be less and less to do on AngularJS. Um, we've you know, kind of run out of runway and, and you know, big things that we want to do there. So, you know, if, if you want to be on a platform that's that's pretty static but very stable, Angular is fine. And if we never change it, it's still fine because there's people who, you know, for, for many, many years have been happy with it, and that's great. Um, but for, for moving into the future with, you know, more capabilities, like we have, you know, animation facility in Angular, um, HTTP gets much easier to test, we, you know, doing things like PWAs and server-side rendering, those are things you would come to Angular for. All right, let's, let's talk about that future. Um, uh, I, real quick, because I want to uh, let a, there was a question I asked online. So, Austin, you brought up the idea of staying up with latest. The question was for you, Brad, of 
how up to date does Angular does Google stay with Angular internally? Um, are you using the latest release, RC, beta? What versions are you using internally? So internally, it's uh, it's on ahead, like it's re like really ahead of everybody else. So like we end up testing the stuff that gets exported um, against uh, you know thousands and thousands of Angular files internally at Google before it ever gets out to the public. It doesn't find everything, of course, because we we do development differently inside Google. But we, I mean, it's a great first step and verification. And just to clarify, when you say head, that, that's the latest of the Messer branch. Sorry to cut you off, Justin. Go ahead. Nope, that's totally fine. Get that info out there. All right. So future. So do you have anything uh, major advancements that you guys are kind of looking at, or the team's looking at, in in terms of oh man, like the animations was one that's just recent, right? Uh, yeah. Anything uh, else that you're kind of planning that? That might be pretty cool for the future of Angular. I mean, we talked about the the build system, right? You mentioned that earlier. Yeah, Babel um, yeah. supporting that. Um, and again, that's for folks. Again, this is kind of continuing on the path for folks who need more and more scale, where they might have hundreds of developers, many teams who build sort of apps made of smaller apps that we need to integrate and bring together. Um, uh, you know, how do we how do we scale past the limits of memory on a single machine? Like this is this is where. Uh, things like Bazel and the Closure Compiler Code Optimizer um, are are very helpful, and you know we want to make things inside Google more available to folks on the outside. Um, and we'll continue with that. There's uh, you know we the big focus. There's a bunch of things we want. We're working on towards version five. Um, we talked about progressive web apps, making that easier and more attractive. And you know within the CLI, we'd like to. Like Mike said, move towards that being default way of people develop because there's so many benefits, both desktop and mobile. Um, and and we actually want to prove it out. And so we, like we actually don't build that many big apps ourselves. Um, we we have some we have some dashboards. We have Angular.io, and you know we've got some some team some team goals to continue to make that smaller and faster. And so if you're looking for a place like where are we going to show off a lot of our best practices, it's going to be in Angular.io. Cool. Is that project open source? It is open source, absolutely. Just part of the Angular code there. Awesome. Which is a great spot to go look and, and learn from, right? See those, those things being implemented and, and kind of peruse that source code. Absolutely. So yeah. So we, you know, Igor and Pete and a bunch of folks are working on um, some advanced code splitting and, you know, uh, the way we do packaging and uh, you know all, all all the things we can do to make that small. So it sounds like the future is all about tooling. No big platform features. You know, are you going to do a, you know, a native? You know, platform or a VR platform or anything like that, like you know, React is doing. Or is, is there anything like that on the on the agenda? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I wouldn't rule those things out. I mean, those are all architectural capabilities for Angular. Um, we uh, for for native, we actually like you know, we have some solutions in the Angular space um, with. Uh, with Ionic and NativeScript, 
Um, but I, I mean, maybe a question for you folks, like what do you want to see from us in terms of like, also I know you want us to do VR. Uh, so way to sneak that in, good job. <laughs> but like, I don't know, what, what, do you, what do you feel like the community wants? I don't feel like the community's probably to VR yet, uh, except for you know a couple of people. Although I did go to CNN's website yesterday and noticed that they have a web VR uh, link across the top. So I, I think it's getting there. Um, but I mean, that's one thing that I, I would like to see, kind of WebGL abstraction for Angular components. And you know, I've talked about this quite a bit in the past. So. I, like for that kind of thing, I would. It seems like not quite core to what the Angular team wants to do. And maybe the thing I would like to have happen is that it would be easy enough to work with Angular so that somebody else could build that on top of compiler. Maybe that would be a nice thing for us. Like maybe having a more stable API on the compiler where it's easier to build your own abstraction, your own template syntax, your own whatever you wanted would be a nice thing for us to work. On. So I think uh, maybe some other stuff like uh, some prescribed way of doing like authentication, right? Or maybe bringing in NGRX into the, the mix or, or something that, or is there these like pluggable but official things that could come out of the Angular team that says, here's these prescribed ways to do things or something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, one, of the, one of the things we, we, where we can help people are is like just really taking it to heart that any decision you have to make on the platform is an expensive one. And it's hard to know, like any team to know, did I make the right decision? Like even after I made it, it's, it's still kind of this mental task, like, oh, should still be considering something else? And our theme, like, like this is why we have animations and I18N and, and all of these facilities in the Angular repo that we build. Um, but then, yeah, like how much more could we do to like, hey, well, look, there's a best practice for pretty much everything you're going to do. I think one of them we could do a better job in helping people understand that we're recommending this is the, the sort of on-push model for components, where like, you know, if you use a data store solution like NGRX, uh, it can be really easy to implement where like the, the structure of your data model itself um, tells the components when to update. Uh, much higher performance, like there's some nice uh, like debugging because you've got the single direction data flow there. Um, and then you know, baking that more into the docs and just uh, and pretty much everything we do, the CLI uh, at the default. So is on push gonna so is on push gonna become the default soon? Ah, that's a good question. I haven't really thought of what we need to do to make that default. Um, um, I think, you know, as far as defaults go, we, we are trying to make it so that AOT, you know, we have these two modes. We've got the JIT mode and AOT mode. And AOT is just higher performance. Um, and JIT is nice because it's dynamic, but, uh, uh, but like we have all these performance problems. Well, not problems, but still faster than AngularJS, but um, not as fast as AOT. And so we've been doing as we go towards five is you know eliminating all the needs that or all the things that JIT could do that AOT couldn't. 
and having answers for all these things. And so I, we feel like we're, we're kind of at the point where we're going to have answers for the kind of a fast turnaround compile cycle for getting my AOT work done. So I can always be seeing the AOT version of my app in my browser as I develop it. Um, and just, you know, as, as much as we can, like doing all the things that a developer needs in AOT and not, so they don't even need JIT anymore. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's another place that we want our developers to get to. I have one big request, and that's get rid of zone.js. <laughs> okay, well, and, you know, I think there, if you're using NGRX, that's a possibility um, that you could, you could do Angular without zone.js. And to your point, Austin, about the idea of making on push the default, if you're using the CLI, you can do that with when you generate in the configuration, just turn on push to, or change detection to be on push for all new components. What's that flag look like, Mike? You just, uh, you set it somewhere that my default is this? Yeah, so under defaults, uh, there's a section for a component, and under there, you can just set change detection and set it to on push, and then whenever you generate a new component, it'll be on push. Yeah, this is nice. And like, if I have a team and I want to set some defaults like this, this is this is a place we can go. So I, yeah, one of the big challenges I think with Angular is the fact that there's so many ways to do things, and you they you do things in one way and it works, and you change it up and do it another way and that works too. And so how do you know which one it is? And then how do you get yourself prepared for as I add more features? That means I should have architected it the other way instead of the way I did so I could support the, the new thing that I'm adding to my application or something. And so it's like you have all this power because we have this platform that gives you all of these things, right? But then there's you almost need this guidance or this this knowledge of, okay, how do I use it in the, in the right way? Um, but to that, like as we move forward uh, and we know everything changes so fast in this industry, right? Like how do you uh, ensure that Angular stays relevant and stays valuable as we go forward into the future? And I think part of that could be this fact that you can do all these things in all these ways. Now you've built this platform that, that allows us to, to grow and change as we need. But how, how do you see that going forward? Yeah, I think uh, we're kind of talking about this. Like it's not really about reducing choice, but providing a default that that we've seen work across you know hundreds or thousands of projects so that um, and through this through the documentation and through the CLI the way we just set code up at the beginning um, folks the natural easiest path is that everything is kind of done the same way and you know but maybe at the same time having an escape hatch of this alternate route of doing things so that if like you have a special circumstance that thousands of apps we've seen, uh, didn't anticipate there's a way for you to do, get these things done. That's like, you know, I think my hope is that we can, we can find those, those defaults so that maybe you never have to look at those choices. Cool. So let's talk really quick about the, uh, this community that you've, everybody's kind of built around Angular and this message that uh, the team delivered a long time ago, this just inclusiveness and goodwill and positivity that, that we have this strong community around Angular, right? Like, how do you maintain that culture going forward? Uh, and has that been challenging with the growth of Angular and the, you know, the more people you get coming in and, and how do you control that, that culture? 
totally challenging. And I think like n none of us were experts in marketing or PR or communities or uh, how to be socially aware. Um, and I feel like, you know, when we first, when we had like our first conference, um, NGConf, it felt small. It felt like you could know everybody in the community. And, and then it kind of exploded overnight after that, where, um, you know, this, it's worldwide and there's, uh, you know, hundreds of meetups that happen every month and pretty much every major city has one. And, you know, everyone wanted us to come talk at their meetup or their conference. And there was no way for us to scale to this level. Um, but kind of at the same time, this is why we do Angular. Like, we want that contact and we want, and, and then plus we have, you know, the hundreds of teams inside Google using Angular who also want the same thing from us. And it, it has been a challenge. And, like, we're not going to get it right all the time. But, you know, we are working on more and more ways that we can have, uh, have contact with folks. I think, like, you know, Angular Air and, and other shows like it are, are great ways that we can answer questions and be available. Um, we still do our meetups here in Mountain View, which was maybe a little silly considering the scale. We do like to you know, get out and chat with folks as often as we can. Uh, that's what makes it worthwhile for us. Yeah, you know, I think from uh, another side looking in, right, uh, I think there's two things that really are big that happen. And, and one is the, the setup of that community and that culture uh, became a draw to to pull people in. I mean, like for me, when I saw it, and I'm like, that's where I want to be, right? I want to be in this positive zone. I want to be in this, you know, inclusive zone of of being excited and and being positive about this front end development and and whatever it is. In this case, it's Angular, but it's also learning from other places and stuff like that. And it's like, cool. There's other people that that share that, so that pulled me in, and I think it pulls in a lot of other people into our community that that are of that mindset, right? So it brings people in. But then I think it also makes people comfortable to be that way too. I think there's a lot of people that that want to be positive and that want to be influential and, and help other people. And it, maybe they feel that it's not, you know, not cool or not something that they want to be a part of, but they see other people in this community saying, it's okay, we, we, we embrace that. And now all of a sudden they can feel that release and say, I'm going to act that same way. I'm going to do that same sort of thing. I'm going to tweet positivity. I'm going to do these, you know, good things. And I, so I think it's, it, it draws that out and, and now it's just building, building momentum. And I, I like, that. I think it's pretty cool. That's what I want to see. At the same time, uh, I noticed on this uh, conference, it's a bunch of white guys talking about inclusivity. Um, and so at, at some level, yeah, like we feel it. It seems good, but, um, but maybe we failed in some other ways. Um, and uh, I, I know this is a, 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 a un, maybe unrepresentative sample of the Angular community. Um, and like, you know, I'd, there, there are good things going on. I'd love to support more of them. Like, you know, NG Atlanta has um, predominantly women speakers coming to talk there. Um, there. There's, you know, NG, NG Girls, and there are, you know, there's, there's other, other communities, but I would love to see more of that, where it's not a bunch of um, uh, us white good old boys um, feeling like we're fully inclusive. Sadly, our two women panelists could not make it today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is this is not not a representative example, but um, we can always do better. But I, th I think we're we're doing you know important things. I mean, I think we're we're making it 
that we're, we're striving to make it that way, right? I mean, the things that we can do, we can say, look, we're, we're, let's make this a, a positive zone. Let's make this a helpful zone. And, and you know, the, like you said, with conferences with the NG Atlanta, it's great conferences being set up to, to try and pull more in and, and, and get more visibility. I think that's the other part of the story, right? Make it make more visibility that, that we all do exist here and, and we're all doing these awesome things and help. How can we promote that? And so we all change based on the community we're part of and we want to be part of this community. And the fact that we've stated, Hey, this is explicitly our goal in the community is to build welcoming, um, inclusive place where like we want to draw people in of all different perspectives and you know ways they you know place they come from and ways they do life and um, we we will not get it right every time but we'll get better over time as a group and I think that feels pretty good definitely definitely so let's talk real quick about uh, what's the team's presence at upcoming conferences talked about NG Atlanta uh, team's mm -hmm. gonna be there right uh, we got yeah. another mix coming up where the team's going to be like those are the, those are the main ones plus uh angular connect out in london so yeah october we'll be at angular mix talking about all the things that we did in version five then we'll go out to london uh and then early next year we'll we'll be out at ng atlanta very nice very nice so and and again like you said very approachable right ready to talk ready to communicate that sort of I thing. hope so. <laughs> Let me know if we're not. Cool. What I uh, are you going to be wearing your uh, you can sit with us shirt or do you have a new shirt plan? That's still my go-to shirt. Uh, it just kind of reminds me why I'm there, um, and I hope it's it kind of like reinforces that like this is our community and it's hard, right? Uh, like like hey, look, we're we're computer folks, and a lot of us came from uh, a, uh, hey, I, I, I am kind of more comfortable as an introvert. Um, how do I maybe reach out past my comfort zone to make other people feel well? Because I think it's like, it's easy to misinterpret. You know, if, if I don't feel very social, misinterpret that as I'm not friendly. Probably not, not true. Like most people, like once I get talking to them, I realize like, no, no, everybody's like kind of wants the same things out of life. Um, and so how do we help everyone feel comfortable? Like when they come to the conferences, when they're on the uh, electronic forums, Twitter and GitHub and whatnot. Which is hard at times, right, to accomplish that. But it's yeah. a very valiant effort and, and approach. Yeah, like just keeping keeping empathy in mind. And what's what is this other person going to experience based on how I'm communicating with them, or the ways I'm not communicating with them? Yep, absolutely caring. All right, well, let's uh, wrap this thing up. We're at the top of the hour, uh, so why don't we do some picks? Uh, who's got picks? Austin, you got some picks? I do have some picks today. So um, I've got three. Uh, TypeScript two point five went into release candidate. So a lot of new changes there, really exciting release. Um, there is a new tool called the Webpack Electron Dashboard. It is a beautiful dashboard for your Webpack config uh, that you can actually see instead of like the command line little dealy, you can actually see, um, you know, pretty graphs and stuff like that. Stuff that 
us UI designers are, or UI developers are used to and like. Um, and then uh, this week, um, my wife's in tech too, and I actually found these awesome JavaScript or compiled JavaScript leggings. So there's like JavaScript all down them. They're so cool looking. Uh, and I, I'll, there'll be a link out there for other people. They've got, you know, shirts for men, skirts and leggings and all kinds of stuff. So I thought it was cool and wanted to share with everyone. Nice. Nice. Mike? I've got one pick. Uh, I got turned on to a tool, a uh, diff tool uh, called Kaleidoscope. I had just been using pretty much git diff on the command line and uh, the tools that uh, VS Code has. But um, Kaleidoscope kind of gives you the ability to not just compare individual files, but also directories. And I'm pretty happy with the UI and the speed and performance of it. So I'm going to throw out uh, Kaleidoscope as my uh, pick for the week. Nice. Nice. Brad, do you have anything that you want to pick? Well, I think I mentioned already, but it's kind of early, but stackblitz.com as an online editor and a way to you know, share code in the internet. Um, it's a pretty magical experience. Go check it out. Nice. All right, well, that's it uh, for today's episode. Thanks a ton, Brad, for coming on. We really appreciate it and taking us down oh, this journey. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. Yes, yes. And you're welcome back anytime. And uh, you know, if you uh, get that mustache going for November, you got to uh, tweet that out or let us know. Maybe we'll all come back on November with sport and the facial hair. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Brad. And, and big thanks to the team, Teleteam. Thanks for every, all the work that they do. We really appreciate it. And especially the fact that we get all this stuff for free from the team. So really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, folks. Bye. All right. Have a good one. See you next week. Later. <laughs>